Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfold. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our world, the financial markets, and what it takes to build a great financial life. Both Tom Statham and Jacob Bradkey work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom and Jacob or any podcast guest are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Fiel Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Tom and Jacob are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Advisors. Fiel Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Lemon and Money podcast. With me is Jacob and Carissa, and we've got a good show today. Actually, so much happened. So much happened. This past week, uh, just to timestamp this, it is uh, Monday morning, the week of Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Early Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, we, we hope you eat a lot of $1.71 per pound turkey. Yes. Super expensive Staggering turkey. Staggering 20% year-over-year increase in... What a great investment. Turkey. Yeah, I should have bought up a turkey plant. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's what I would do with my $1.6 billion, buy up a turkey plant. If it was only so easy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're going to be talking about FTX, Taylor Swift, mortgage rates, and Google Bets, amongst other things. There's a lot going on in the world. A laundry list. And I don't know about you guys, but this time of the year, it seems to go faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. We just got stuff going on all the time. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm young, so you know that like common thing where it's like you the older you are, the the, the what is it? The faster time feels like it's going. Mm-hmm. You probably know this because you're already like ten years older than me. Yeah. But like, I feel like time has been going so fast post graduation. Like it's just like I don't know how I'm here right now. Like I'm almost a year past graduation. I know. Tom is it's does bizarre. it get faster with kids? Yes. Wow. For sure. I suppose because you're like I gotta go bring my kids to school. And then you started all of a sudden like summer and they don't have to go to school anymore. Yeah. Well, I think stuff. the concept concept of time, like Lucy's three, three years without a kid is like three years, but then you watch the human grow up and you're like, that's three years yeah. of a human. <laughs> it's just crazy. My daughter grew, Lucy grew an inch in eight weeks. Wow. That's crazy. She's going to be a tall human. Yeah. I was actually going to measure her this weekend to figure out how tall she was going to be, but I decided not you don't, to. You don't have like a, a, a wall on your, in your oh, house Oh, I've got or one. Yeah, I've got one. I just okay. wanted to see how tall she is. My guess is 5'7". I'd put her at a 5'7". Okay. So Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Five foot seven? Yeah. When she's older. Lucy, oh, yeah. when she's older. I thought you were saying right now. I'm like, no, she's she was not. just in here like two weeks ago and she's, she's like, not five foot seven. No. How about Bodhi? What's your, <laughs> yes. what's your bet on Bodhi? 6'1". 6'1". Oh, wow. okay. For everyone out there, uh, we met some people in Las Vegas last week. And uh, they're like, wow, you're a lot taller than you look. look. So I'm weird. Just out of a lot of people on the internet, I'm 6'3". With shoes, I'm 6'4". Yeah. You definitely there you go. give off the impression of being a tall person. Really? Yeah. Dang it. And you're skinny too. So it makes you even tall, like yeah. look yeah. taller. Yeah. Anyways, let's stop talking about how tall and skinny I am. All right, here we go. Jacob, take us off. What's the good of the week? All right. The good is that no longer are houses as expensive. Don't get me wrong, still expensive. The uh, 30-year fixed-rate mortgage dropped its fast at its fastest pace since, like, what, 1981 yep. from 7.08% to 6.61%. Still incredibly high. It is still very high, but that is a good sign. Uh, there's still a lot of demand in the housing market. Um, I've got a house on my street, Oak Street North in Fargo, uh, that is uh, somebody's attempting to flip it. 
Mm. And boy, did they pick the wrong timing of it. Um, I've been just in my mind tracking just how long they've held it, you know, their carrying costs and everything. And this mortgage downturn is going to be nice. Uh, the 10 year had a 50 basis point decrease um, yeah. from basically in the last 11 days, which is a gigantic move in the rate markets. Yeah. And the 30 year uh, treasury yield is now below the federal funds rate. So you have the longest part of the curve lo- or, you know, has a lower yield yeah. than the shortest end of the curve. That's weird. Yeah. And I guess for, for everyone out there in an inverted yield curve, you know, normally short-term rates are lower than long-term rates. We're flipping it and like the entire curve is flipped. Yeah. Pretty much. Which is weird. In my mind, that does not seem like a lot. Obviously to you guys, it sounds like a lot, but like I was reading the article and it was like that percentage drop means that if somebody refinanced, they would be able to get back Mm $48,000. That's a lot of money. So in my mind, when do people refinance? So, I mean, typically when people refinance is when rates are lower. So there's a math equation to it. Um, A lot of it, I'd say for everyone out there looking to refinance, how the math works is there's obviously costs associated with refinancing. So you, uh, you have to, uh, a big input is how long you're going to stay in the home itself. So you can refinance to a lower rate, but it's still not going to make sense if you're going to move in five years or three years. So that's one of those deals where you just have to, you have to understand, you know, on paper refinancing is good, but there's some costs associated when I refinanced my home in uh, 2020, I think, yeah, yeah, July of 2020, right before we left, um, that was part of my input of the equation was, you know, how long are we going to live in this house? And it was a long time. And you're time. still so there. We're, and we're still there, yeah. Yeah. But I think the break even for us was, at this time, it, with the rates, it was probably seven years or so. Okay. Yeah. So the other thing that people need to understand, too, on the rates is that um, a 0.5%, you know, decrease in rates, relatively speaking, it's, um, it's not that big, but as a percentage change, it's huge. It is huge. Yeah. Yes. When you do the math, yes. I was doing the math. I was like, oh my gosh, that's $48,000 over the course of 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. And it depends on your mortgage and stuff. And as mortgages get better, big, uh, bigger, the, the refinancing obviously becomes just more and more worth it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's kind of one of those things that math is just weird how it works like a small, a relatively small change. Like, wow, well, what's 0.5%? Well, when you actually do the math behind the, the, the amount of money at hand, you know, those percentages get large. Yeah. And you can take it like four levels deep too. Cause you can say like, what's the present value of the savings associated with refinancing and stuff like that. You know, I don't know. I, I like to think of things in terms of that. I've actually got an interesting blog post cooking up on that. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, there we go. All right. What's the bad of the week? Because this week I can say um, we can't, again, just a disclaimer, we can't really talk about the crypto markets because of, not because of us, but because of the regulators. And and this is an extremely fast moving story. Yeah. It seems like it's slowing down now because the worst is, I mean, I think the worst is just out there and it's out there. Yeah. And it's ugly. Yeah. So the ex Enron cleanup CEO, John J. Ray III. What What a name. (laughs) What a name. name. Let's Uh. just go out there. Two first names, a J in the middle, and the third. Wow, what a name. Anyways, he was the cleanup CEO again of Enron. Uh, He took over FTX, and uh, he had some terrible things to say about the corporate controls. Yeah, he's never seen anything this bad in his 40 years. He says that, never in my career have I seen such a failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial 
information as occurred here on FTX. Yeah. Uh, Again, it doesn't surprise me. And this is coming from Enron. So for all of our user, or excuse me, for all of our listeners out there who are, most of you probably were teenagers when Enron happened, um, or maybe even younger than that, actually. Uh, That was a complete scam as well. It was, uh, you know, basically gap accounting changed because of Enron. Uh, They were doing some really funky stuff that this gentleman took over. And, I mean, he was like, Enron doesn't even have, Enron was bad. This is awful. So, yeah, that, that, um, congratulations, FTX. You, you get the bad of the week. You now take the cake on the worst corporate structure in history. Yeah. Basically. Tom, Tom, as a business owner, how does that happen? Like, how does something so catastrophic as FTX happen? So this is one of those weird things about crypto is there's an implied layer of trust, you know, like everyone thinks, well, it's a blockchain, da, 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 da. This was a case where you just had a bad actor um, and there's a lot of just given trust. And I think a lot of people don't understand crypto, myself included. They don't understand the, the nuts and the bolts. And I think when you have so many people not understanding what is happening, they just, they point to this wonder kid and say, oh my gosh, well, he's FBF. He should know everything about crypto. And and so they gave him, there's two trusts. There's earned trust and implied trust. So implied trust is just, you sit at a table with a PhD and you're just going to imply that they're smart. And then earned trust is stuff that you, you know, you, you earn, you gain by, by doing great work for people. And I think what happened in this case was there was, there was way too much implied or given trust when there should have been less of that and more earned trust. And, and it didn't matter in this case because he got the money and he basically ran. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing is that like the, the trust component of that, like you said, is like, I mean, Sequoia, one of the largest venture capital firms invested in FTX and like, you know, all of these just huge, huge venture capital firms like SoftBank and Sequoia all invested. So there's like this element of like, well, if they're cutting, if they're doing it, 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 well, it, I should it, do it. it must be something that isn't so bad. Right. Yeah. And I think there's even like a, there's, there's a, I think there's a story out there where Sequoia during SBF is, yeah, his FTX pitch to him. He was playing League of Legends while he was pitching to them. So he's playing video games and pitching, you know, whatever. Yeah. Sequoia to give them $200 million. So bad. Yeah. All right, moving on. The comical. So this was, I wrote this one down. So everyone, we have show notes. Um, We we will email the show notes out, or if you want to uh, send us a message, we can get you to the show notes. Um, Google's other bets. So this one always just cracks me up. So Google, so one of the biggest companies in the world on their PL, they have a line item that says other bets. And Which, yeah, yeah. So you have YouTube advertising and other bets. And other bets. Yeah. Basically, that's what's it. Yeah. Um, I just ran across this again as this is so strange. So a top 20 investor in Google, it's TCI, it's, it's an asset management company. They own 0.27% of Google, and that makes them a top 20 investor, which, again, this is just bizarre. They're going after Google and basically saying, all right, you guys need to rein it in. Yep. And always, whenever somebody's talking about Google, the, the other bets comes up. And um, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get over other bets because I just think it's just hilarious. It, it is a very interesting line item. And the and like all the reason is just because there's the, the the discrepancy between like Google advertising and YouTube and stuff. 
is just so massive compared to every single everything thing. else. Because for people that don't know, Google is a subsidiary subsidiary of Alphabet Holdings. Yeah. So Alphabet is a holdings company that holds Google, but it holds a bunch of other companies as well. So most of its revenue and earnings come from Google and YouTube and that sort of stuff. And then the rest of it's like Waymo. They own part of Waymo yeah. or, or all of Waymo and stuff like that, which is just like ramp, wrapped up and bundled in this little tiny package, just other bets. Other bets. And it's moonshots. That's basically what they're trying yeah. to do. They're just, um, they, they, they might as well call Ascend it. Exactly. It's just like, yeah, I mean, we might as well buy that. Yes, yes. All right, moving on. There was once $2 trillion, and now there is $1 trillion. Household debt soars at fastest pace in 15 years at credit card uses surges. People are spending down their savings to the tune of $1 trillion. Yeah. Well, and actually, it's interesting. There's uh, uh, personal savings in the U.S. was at four point eight or over $4.8 trillion in March of 2020. Now it's less than a billion. Mm-hmm. Or not less than a billion. Less a than trillion. a trillion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's spent down so fast. And now, you know, mortgage balances, I think that increased like almost over a trillion up to like 16 trillion or something like that. And credit card balances are almost at a trillion. And the personal savings rate or personal savings isn't even at the trillion that the credit card debt is at. Mm -hmm. And savings rates are at the lowest point that they've been since, you know, before the GFC. Yes. I mean, are we surprised though? It's not really that surprising. Because the the Fed is raising height, like they're hiking rates. And so interest rates are going up. So are we, I mean, I'm not surprised, but yeah, what I was think, surprising. I think most of it comes from the cost going up. Yeah. People have to still buy bread, milk, meat, eggs, whatever. And that's just more expensive. So they have to put it on their card. Yeah. But people are also just spending too. And, and they just have to, and, and people are still spending, but yeah. that's going to flip. And that's what the Fed wants. As soon as people can't spend anymore, like that's what causes a recession mm-hmm. and that's what causes it like that kills inflation immediately because there's no more demand. So in my mind, I'm assuming that people are responsible with their finances. So are people just out there spending just because they can? I think that is a, a fallacy. I, I think most people are not good at money. This is from my experience at the least. I always, and, and then too, it's a good reminder that we work in a bubble because we, we work with people who are smart enough to save money, have assets, and hire people. I think the vast majority of people are just, they just don't know. And there's a lot that goes into why they don't know, but they don't. And, um, you know, obviously something, well, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. Yeah. You know. So if somebody isn't watching what's happening on, like in the world with the Fed and stuff like that, and they didn't intend to carry over a credit card balance and they find themselves in a bad position, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, I would say definitely like the fact that this is true, household debt soars at fastest pace in 15 years. Um, most people will come out of this okay, but there's going to be a decent chunk of people that just get hosed by what's happening right now, whether that's in layoffs or whether if, if you know inflation gets out of control and their income isn't going up as high as inflation and they haven't figured that out yet. So there's definitely going to be people that, that, are, that are going to get screwed over by what's happening. So to answer your question, it would be if this is you, like if your savings are dwindling, like just know and understand that, you know, what's coming, you know, like this will continue. Like when inflation goes down, it's still going to be growing really fast. Like prices are still going to be significantly higher. If it's not 10% for a turkey or excuse me, 20% for a turkey next year, it'll probably be 10%. 
Yeah, the prices is, aren't coming down. Yeah. They're just slowing down and, and grows. So a, a slowdown from 20 to 10% is a lot, even though it's still growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jacob, if you find yourself carrying over a balance um, and you weren't watching the interest rates and you're just getting smoked, what would you do with your credit card debt? Yeah, that's that's one thing where it's like, well, if you still have to spend, you have to spend. Like if you still, if, if like your costs are just like, I have too big of a house and all of my costs are going to that, but I still need to buy food. So I have to put on my credit card. That's just kind of unfortunate. And hopefully you can cut back. And that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Just try cutting back to make sure like I'm not going to into unmanageable debt. You know, like just trying to hold or hold down the fort until things get a little better. Or you just have to try to go. It's, it's just kind of an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Yeah. High fixed costs. That's where people could just get, yep. get really hosed. And yep. this is, that's like what's happening in the high fixed costs. I mean, like heating is up. The, the core inflation is going up right now. Uh, you know, ga- gas obviously has gone down, but it's significantly higher than what, what it was a couple of years ago. So gas is up, heating's up, you know, the core of what it, you know, you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and where, where people are getting hit right now. It's really the base layer of what it means to be a human food, shelter, heat, cool. Like that is where people are getting hit. And that's why I think this is really, um, a sad situation for certainly for, for a lot of people. Yeah. It's something like a trolley car, right? Cause you have like, there's few, there's a few people and few and meaning like there's a lot of people, but it's few relative, like the rest of the people that are going to get hit and it's just going to be kind of really bad for them. But then there's the other side where it's like good for many type of deal, which isn't, yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate. Gotta know it. All right, what's going on, Jacob? Um, so we're gonna go. We're gonna rifle through. I'm gonna some... rifle through these. So consumer sentiment took a dive, which is this even even after better than expected inflation. So the the University of Michigan released this for November. So I'm guessing this is kind of just October numbers. Um, the broad broadly 8.7 percent down over the month, and 21 percent down on durable goods, so cars and stuff like that. People are just feeling really bad about things, and that kind of goes goes in line with the last thing credit card debt is soaring like that just means people are like i have to spend but i can't like i don't have the money to spend type of stuff so they're really feeling bad about the economy and and everything like that and the other thing janet yellen is a little bit worried about the debt ceiling so this this is coming up again now and so the jets the debt ceiling never needs to be raised by early 2023 and she's worried that either party is going to use it as political leverage to get what they want because Congress has to sign in. Right now we have a divided Congress. So she's worried they're going to, like either Republicans are going to say, we won't raise the debt ceiling unless, or Democrats are going to say, we won't raise the debt ceiling unless. And one of them is eventually going to have to concede, which they will, hands down. They always do. They're going to concede. Nothing is worse than defaulting on your debt. So they're going to concede. It's just going to be, what are the demands going to be? And how much is the market going to go? Whoa, 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 guys, come on. Let's come to consensus before a week before. It's, it's going to be kind of a bumpy road. And that, so the, the government shutdowns from a market perspective for everyone out there, what that does is it's just, it's a, everyone knows they're going, they, they always do this even like throughout the year. Sometimes it's known publicly. I, every it's, it's always known publicly that we're going to run into a situation where there's not enough money that, you know, the, the treasurer needs to, to unlock the coffers. Um, sometimes it's big news. Sometimes it's not. So this yep. is publicly, I think because of the, the, the midterm election that we just had a couple of weeks ago, that's why this one's probably, um, a bigger deal or, or and, will and be there's made. a little bit of a recency bias too. Cause we had a little bit of a crunch there Yeah, 
and during when they had to raise the debt ceiling the last time. Yes. As well. So that's it's recency bias and midterm elections. It's like, all right, culmination of all these political events. It's like, uh, all right, something we get to look forward to. It will happen. Yes. Just, just saying, I if if I had to place bets on this, it'd be like you know, you know, a thousand to one. Like that is definitely going to get raised, or a million to one. Oh yeah, it it's always does. Going to get raised. It always does. All right. Um, Moving on. President or Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard says that the target rate that the Federal Reserve about to get to could be between five and seven percent. It's a huge swing. That's a lot. You know, like that I, is I, a lot. I think the range is the, the reality is it's going to be closer to five, a little over five. It's there's I don't think there's any chance that it's seven percent. But I think what this is really saying is that they want to still give the impression that they're going to be hawkish until that inflation numbers down. Yes. Like so what are we what at right saying. now? 3.75 to four. I think that's what we're at. Dang. Yeah. And they're saying it's going to get to five to seven. Yeah. So to, to put this in perspective, December, I think the market's pricing in a, a 50 basis point, 0.5% hike in December, uh, 2.25% in February and 025 in March. That's what the market says. So bringing it up to like 5% little over 5%, something like that. And then there might have to be an additional 25 basis points, so another 0.25 in the meeting after that. But other than that, like, with what we see with, like, credit card debt and sentiment, I it's hard for me to picture interest rates still needing to go higher. Like, I think there's some dramatic shifts yeah. happening. Tom, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm kind of with Jacob on that one. I think the damage is done. Mm-hmm. So... This is just, they're just, this is just words. This is just damage control from their perspective. I think they're trying to, they're trying to raise the bar. This to me was like trying to engineer the soft landing. So, gotcha. All right. Retail sales increase 1.3% in October. Just think about that. That's, that's, people are still spending (laughs) on their credit card. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's going on their credit card. You know, mathematically, that's where people are spending money. But pretty crazy in October. That's a huge annualized increase. Core retail yeah. sales rise 0.7. And uh, Jacob, why don't you talk about GDP? All right. Yeah, so this is this the last time that I said this, I think it was 3.2% was a projected fourth quarter GDP, and Tom's eyes got just monstrous. I remember that. We had a screenshot of that going yes. around the office. Anyway, the Thanks, new everyone. projection has been revised up from 4% to 4.4% annualized GDP growth, which has in part to do with rising retail sales and yep. lower inventories. So companies, you know, they're not buying and importing or like inventories. So their costs are just going down like the import. There's just a balance of trade that's not right. But these numbers are bonkers. Yeah, that is very strange to have to have that kind of to have that kind of growth in the GDP given everything that's going on. So just to sum this up, I'm going to put a little bow on top of this. Consumer consumer sentiment is bad. People are not do not want to make big purchases. Debt ceiling. That's just going to be something that you need to prepare for because it's going to make headlines and it's going to be ugly. Welcome to welcome to America. The Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates potentially more. So just watch out on your interest rates. They still want to do damage, and the economy is not that bad. Isn't that crazy? Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. All right. So, biggest one of the week. Jacob? Jacob, who wants to do this one? Chris, I know you do the one of the week. Wait, hold on. Can I ask a question about, okay, 
what is the debt ceiling going to do? Like, what should people be mentally prepared for? It's just going to be news. Yeah, it's, they, news. they raise it all the time. Ever In the history of America, they've always raised the debt ceiling because they have to. They just straight up have to. There's yeah. no other way. If they, if they shut the government down, which they have for a long time, everyone get paid. Everyone gets paid. It's a lot of just political um, jockeying to do what they told their constituents they would do. But it'll always get raised. It's one. Of, it's more of those. It just really just fires people up. But yeah. they always do it. And yeah, sometimes, yeah. and seriously, sometimes it's a big deal, and sometimes it's not. I've been doing this for almost ten years now. I haven't figured out what, why sometimes it's a big deal, why it's not. They just make it a big deal for um, positioning. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, biggest one of the week. I would say um, last week our team. Our team just reads a lot, and. There was so much that happened. I would say Apple released the SOS feature on the iPhone 14. That's super cool with the satellites. I think that's a big win, but I don't want people to be like dumb about it. Got you it. Know? Yeah. I just think that's, I mean, cause what Apple's doing is they're selling safety. Yeah. They're yeah. making tons yeah. of money on safety. Tim Cook said that Apple, like their, their biggest, their biggest mark on the world will be on healthcare. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. I, that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But you can see you can see where it's going. Like the Apple Watch. Yeah, the I I mean, saw, yeah, fitness and stuff. Yeah. Here here's a here's a bet. Well, I'm I'm not a bet, but I would gather in two years that AirPods will have some sort of health feature. Really? Yep. I don't know. I don't know how that would happen though. I don't like know. What? Maybe temperature? Hmm. Oh, I bet taking, you I bet you they'll yeah, I bet you they'll do something like AirPods, which everyone wears all the time, will have some sort of Mine are going to be mad at me all the time as I walk to work and it's 10 below. Yeah. They're going to say, Jacob, you're too cold. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's Apple. So congratulations, Apple, for the win of the week for releasing again. SOS. Apple's on there again. Ah, dang it. Okay, we need to pick on somebody new. All right. What went backwards in times? I'm so excited for this segment. Yeah, you're just going to take this one. No, I don't know. You but can take this you whole can take, one. You take okay. this. You take all it. All right. Y'all know we live in an, an audience economy. So basically, companies that have the biggest audience, people that have the biggest audience, they will win. They are winning. So Taylor Swift completely broke the back of Ticketmaster and Live Nation by just dominating. She's got some of the most loyal fans. 14 million people showed up to buy tickets to the Eras Tour. She had, she, there's enough demand for Taylor Swift to have an in-person live comp concert for two and a half years filling 90 900 stadiums isn't that so, <laughs> so funny so many. it's so big see i saw some She's tickets so... that were like on sale for like ninety thousand dollars yes. or something it's oh, insane God. so like she broke the back of Ticketmaster, and i said this last week it wouldn't surprise me if taylor swift starts a ticketing company so Ticketmaster and live nation they have what's arguably a monopoly yeah. On ticketing. I mean, when you think of like buying tickets, what do you, I mean, I think of Ticketmaster. Yeah. Some other people might sure. think of Live Nation, but like if I'm going to go buy a ticket, I'm going to Ticketmaster. That's what I'm doing. Hands down. Yeah. I'm not surprised if she starts a ticketing company. Yeah. I also heard that some people, they were doubling up. Like they, like people would buy one. Oh seat. yeah. To flip them. Well, no, no, no. Like they were buying one seat and then somebody else would buy that same seat right after them. So like there'd be two persons, two people to a seat. It was a glitch on Ticketmaster's like side. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That 
Oh, man. Honestly, Taylor Swift, I really thought that she was just going to, like, fizzle out after, like, a while. But I'm, like, actually impressed with how she just continues to do well. Like, very impressed. A question that I have is we are sitting here firmly in twenty in the 2020s, 2022, almost going to 2023. Taylor Swift has 232 million Instagram followers. That's just one platform. My question is... How do you not fizzle out? Like you will always be talking to hundreds of millions of people. She's, she can just send an Instagram post and talk to almost America. Literally. Yeah. There's 336 people in America or thir- <laughs> I'm thinking about Jacob, Hackensack that's in Hackensack. Right <laughs> 336 million people in America. Yeah. So she's got like two thirds of it. If more, more than two thirds. Yeah. Quarters. And with the impressions and the algorithms, when they push her stuff, like she oh, could, she, yeah, down. if she just wants to talk to America, she's like, yeah, no, no problem. I got that. So that's I mean, the thing that's weird is like, how can she, I don't think that's the right question to ask. It's like, how can she not stay relevant? Who do you think is going to be the first person to have a billion followers? Is, is there one? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Justin like Bieber. E- it's got to be like Elon Musk or no. somebody like that. No, honestly. it's going to be an entertainer for sure. Yeah, it's going to be an entertainer. Uh, you're telling me Elon Musk isn't an entertainer? Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, but audience economy, like marketing's yeah. the marketing spend at Tesla has been like Elon Musk's time is the budget for Tesla's marketing department. All he has he just, to do is get on Twitter. Yep, tw- tweets all the time. Like no joke. Like that's that's how he. I mean, he under Elon Musk's knows and he's way ahead of his time the the importance of the audience economy and he he just i mean he does it he, he lives it he breathes it and now his antics are whatever i think They're taylor wild, swift is, yeah i mean he's nuts yeah. uh taylor swift has definitely i think played her cards well i'm very impressed with like whatever press release she like sent out or whatever because she was like i want to bring everything in house so that's why i'm not surprised if she creates a company yeah um, but she was like the customer experience. I just want it to be better. And I was like, Oh, well, if I was a customer, I'd be very thankful that she said that. Yes. I mean, she's, uh, she's loyal to her fans and, um, her fans are clearly loyal to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, I was doing the math. I was like, if she sold 14 million, she could do us. And I was thinking 14 million tickets at 350 a pop on average, which is probably low, honestly, but that's how much demand was out there. She could theoretically do five billion dollars in revenue and ticket sales like when you do the when you when you think about how much of that is profit because she would be i mean let's say she had half of that and you just did if you just valued her if you just valued her and her earnings power i mean i don't know how much money she's going to end up with or how much she's worth now but she's going to be she is tremendously wealthy at 30 i think she's my age she will be massively wealthy when she's 60 especially considering the fact considering who her dad is too Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) fun fact everyone taylor swift's dad is a very successful financial advisor yeah didn't know that until friday yep to to everyone else when i was enlightened to to everyone out there i was like we are totally talking about taylor swift and Ticketmaster because she just schooled the uh, she just she absolutely schooled um oh and i just can't believe like Ticketmaster too they just didn't they didn't understand they just didn't get that right. They weren't even close to right. How how did they not like? How could they not keep up with demand? I don't understand. Um, I mean, the I honestly, just overload yeah, it was, it was a server. Yeah. yeah, it was a server, and that's the thing where I'm like, okay, call a 
AWS, like wherever they're, whatever cloud service. I was like, just ramp it up times 10. Like, how are you? They were just yeah. like a country mile off. Just like Jacobs when <laughs> 336 yeah, people. Exactly. And, and yeah. Like, no, that's Hackensack. Um, but yeah, they were a country mile off. So congratulations to Taylor Swift again um, for just, yeah, for blowing our minds. For blowing our minds. She won 40 AMAs last night. Wow. Most what, in history. Okay, what's, a, what's an AMA? I don't know. I'm under the loop on that. American Music Award? Okay. Yep. Teen, all the, there's some of these like lower tier shows heading up to the Grammys. I, no joke. I just have like PTSD from Celsius saying, join our AMA. Oh, sure. That's yeah. asked me anything. Yeah. yeah. Different yeah. thing. Different things. Taylor Swift. Um, so, okay. Here's the takeaways, actually. Here's what I want people to understand why we're talking about Taylor, Taylor Swift. The audience economy is here. So when you think about what great businesses are going to exist or who they're going to be, what they're going to be, it's the audience. Like it's, it's who has the biggest audience um, that is going to like that is going to be a huge leading indicator for businesses as we pivot into this. And I think, um, well, I'll go into this in a second. Incumbents should not rest on their laurels. If you're not building an audience, if you're not, you know, talking to your clients, your customers, your market um, in a way that's relevant to them like you will find yourself on the ticket master side of this equation where you just get schooled by somebody else like Taylor Swift. And then finally here, when the, inter- when the internet meets the real world. So this is kind of where I think this is interesting when you have the web 3.0 stuff, like the metaverse, this stuff hasn't played out yet, but when the internet meets the real world, the, the like kind of the internet wins, you know? Like when Mr. Beast did his... Uh, burger chain. He's got a very yeah. successful burger restaurant. He had 10,000 people show up to an opening of a restaurant in a mall. LOL. Yeah. That that is is I want to eat one of Mr. Beast's burgers, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, it was crazy. And, and um, so if you've never heard of the audience economy, just here's your, here's your shot. Um, because Taylor Swift just pulled a masterclass on how you leverage your economy, uh, you know, your, your audience by treating people. It's really about treating people right, but um, she's done a great job, and she's just breaking every record known to man. It's, it's just it's crazy. Anyways, way to go, Taylor Swift. Sorry, Ticketmaster. All right, let's zoom through these. Uh, Jacob, quote of the week. Quote of the week. All right, this comes from our man Warren Buffett because he's just got a lot of great quotes. People start being interested in something because it's not go- because it's going up, not because they understand it or anything else, but the guy next door who they know is dumber than they are is getting rich and they aren't. FTX right there. FTX <laughs> that right is, there. Yep. yep. Warren Buffett, that is why that is why all this crypto stuff happened. Um, it's not because they understand it, because they think it's going up. And if you get Sequoia on the on the bus, if you get all of these other people, these quote unquote great asset allocators. Well, and not only that, if your dumb neighbor is getting yep. rich off of it. It's like, well, he's dumber than I am. I should, I should get in this and be rich, right? Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's the quarter of the week. All right. So um, let's wrap it up here. Carissa, uh, best part of last week. Best part of last week. Our team moves fast. We learn a lot. <laughs> like we could have so many podcasts every single week, like episodes, because we just move so fast. Um, cover a lot of ground, but nothing will outperform doing the fundamentals right at all levels of life. Like that's what we just saw with FTX. Like if you understand the fundamentals of life, yeah. Charles Munger's book on success, that's what it's all about. Doing the fundamentals right. Love it. Love it. Jacob. All right. Well, I got to go see somebody that has an audience, the creator audience. So Ooh. 
Charlie Barons is a comedian. Oh, if fun. anybody knows him, yeah, you know him, yeah, for sure. See, man. Everybody else around here didn't know him. Carissa didn't know him. Paula didn't know him. Dan didn't know him. I don't. Maybe Noah knew. Him. Oh, Noah did know him. Yeah, he was gonna go see him. Do you he know why? Great. Do you he know why great. I know him? Did you, what did you meet him? I'm a dad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> dad jokes. Yeah. Dad jokes. That was great. No, but it was a great show in Bemidji, up there in Bemidji. Bemidji, love it. Um, I was in Las Vegas last week and, uh, definitely, oh, it's fun to be in Vegas, fun to see all of our colleagues around the country at the other partner firms at Sanctuary, but, uh, definitely coming home to my kids. That was, uh, that was awesome. Secondary was we won our hockey game last night. Noah got some of me to, I, I, I skate with Noah, one of our advisors. He had a couple good goals. Way to go, Noah. He's a beast. So anyways, okay, let's wrap this thing up. Thank you guys, our listeners out there for just being awesome for just supporting the show. Um, we've been steadily gaining every week and that's because of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, shoot us an email at lamin and money podcast at the Sorry. That's the worst. It, it'll also be in the notes. It'll be in the and show be notes. The notes. Yeah. Yes. And please leave us a review. Yes. If you could do that, that would be, that would be wonderful. And uh, happy Thanksgiving. We're seriously, we're sitting down here in our freezing cold studio extremely grateful thank you we hope you have an amazing time with your family with your friends we hope you can just take a second and just remember the amazing things that life has to offer and we'll see you next week on the lamb and money podcast 